Hi, my name is Spencer, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. It's been a great morning already, and we're going to be finishing our series Unrivaled. But before we do that, we're going to celebrate a win. So to help us celebrate a win, I want to direct your attention to screens. We have a core value that's going to be on the screen. I'd love for us to read it together, and this will help us celebrate. Ready? Go. We celebrate wins with a passion to refine. So part of our culture is that we want to celebrate wins with a passion to refine. So here's some context to help us understand the win that we're going to celebrate. This week, we've been intending to serve with Family Promise. Now, Family Promise is a local nonprofit that transitions families out of homelessness. What an incredible ministry. So they transition families out of homelessness, and we and other local churches get to come alongside by opening up our property for a week, and we provide a home, we provide delicious meals, we provide community for a full week as these families are transitioning out of housing. Now, we are not going to be serving with Family promise this week, which leads us to the win. But before I say it, I got to know, are you guys ready to celebrate the win? A few, the 930, they got up earlier than you and they're more ready than you. Come on, we got to make some noise. This is huge. Okay. The win we're celebrating is huge. So are you guys ready to get excited and celebrate this win a little bit? All right. Perfect. Thank you. So here's the win. The reason we are not serving a family promise is because their family has a home. Isn't that incredible? Like, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, praise Jesus that a family in our community has been transitioned out of homelessness through Family Promise. So we love the fact that we get to partner with organizations like Family Promise that are impacting real people in our community. So that's the win we want to start with. And one more thing before we really dive in and finish this series, I want to let you guys know that next week we're beginning a brand new series called Poured Out. And the heart of this series is simply this. We're going to discuss ways that our lives can be poured out for others. And I'm telling you this because we have some exciting things planned and we don't want you to miss it. In fact, next Sunday, we're kicking off this series with baptisms at all three gatherings. It's going to be awesome. So we're going to have baptisms at all three gatherings, and we're going to be talking about orphan care next Sunday. And now we as the church, now we as Jesus followers, all have a role to play in taking care of orphans. So it's going to be incredible. Then we know the next week is Thanksgiving break. And so if you're traveling out of town for Thanksgiving, we want to invite you to come back into town for the 530. At the 530 that week, we're going to have Starbucks Thanksgiving blend coffee. Anybody else excited about that? Yeah, if, if you don't show up, I'll just drink it all. So it would really help my health if, if you guys come. But we're going to have that at the 530, and we're going to have Thanksgiving desserts. We're just going to have an incredible time. So I'm really anticipating this new series poured out, but I'm also excited to finish our series today. So as we come to the end of Unrivaled, here's what we're discussing. We're discussing one of the most frustrating elements of following Jesus. Thank you for coming to Public Church. We're here to encourage you. Now today, we're going to discuss... One of the most frustrating elements of following Jesus. So even though it's a tough conversation, I believe it's a conversation that we all need to have, and hopefully by the end we'll see that we need to have it. So here's what we're talking about. Here's the frustrating aspect of following Jesus. We can enjoy incredible series like Unrivaled. We can encounter Jesus in gatherings like this, but at times we can walk away from this series or walk away from this gathering, and we are wavering. Now, here's what wavering means to get us all on the same page. Wavering simply means wishy-washy, swerving, or inconsistent. 
See, it's possible for us to encounter Jesus and yet walk away wavering. In fact, we can put on a public church shirt like this. Isn't this pretty awesome? So we can put on this shirt, show up at the 1130, show up early to 1130. We can serve on our public team. We can go the extra mile to make sure everybody's loved and cared for. Then we get home, we take off this shirt, and we complain about having to take out the trash. That's being wishy-washy, isn't it? Or we can put on our shirt, and we can come serve on our public team, and then we get home, we throw it in the dirty clothes, and we wake up tomorrow, and we put on our work shirt, and we head to work, and work is all about me, and I want to be catered to, and I want everybody to do what I want, and I just want to be served. See, in some environments, we can look to serve, and in others, all we want is to be served, and that's being inconsistent. That's being wishy-washy. That is wavering, and come on. We've all been there. In fact, by a show of hands, how many, you've been fr- how many of you have been frustrated because you saw someone at a gathering on Sunday and then you saw the same person on Tuesday and he or she was totally different? Anybody been frustrated with that? You're like, you're wavering, it's so frustrating. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you are frustrated because that's been you, <laughs> right? It's been me that I'm here on Sunday and then different later in the week. See, this is a problem that we all have, and it's one of the most frustrating elements of following Jesus because we can walk out of here challenged and determined to follow Jesus, but on Wednesday, we're right back to our bad habits. And the root of this frustration is a truth that I think we can all agree on, and here's the truth. The unrivaled Jesus deserves unwavering followers. The unrivaled Jesus deserves unwavering followers. Even if you don't follow Jesus, I think you can agree with this. You may say it like this, if Jesus is unrivaled, then his followers should be unwavering. We can all rally around the fact that this is true. And in fact, some of you may not follow Jesus because of the tension that you feel between this truth and your observations. See, deep in your soul, you know that this statement is true. You see a whole lot of Jesus followers who are wishy-washy and inconsistent, and you conclude that if so-called Jesus followers can't even follow him, then why should you try Jesus? And for those of us who are following Jesus, at some point, we've all struggled with this idea. And this is actually why the public church vision even exists. In fact, here's the vision of public church. It's going to be on the screen, and it's simple. It's to develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. So God has called us to develop a public church. That means that we need to blur the lines between what happens on and off this campus. In other words, we're developing a group of people who follow Jesus wherever they are. We're developing a group of people who are unwavering in every location and in every situation. That is a public church. And our public church vision exists because wavering is a problem. See, at some point, all of us who claim to follow Jesus have drawn lines and we've compartmentalized our relationship with Jesus to a specific setting and time. Maybe it's the 1130 gathering. Maybe this is your Jesus box. And outside of this, no Jesus allowed. Or maybe your your box is a little bigger. Maybe it's the 1130 gathering plus your community group. The reality is that we compartmentalize our relationship with Jesus to these times, and we get outside our little box, we're at work, we're at school, we're relaxing with our friends. Jesus is no longer the top priority. And as we are drawing lines, we need to realize that Jesus never drew those lines. Jesus clearly taught that if we're going to follow him, then following him should permeate every single area of our lives. Why? Because he is unrivaled. 
So Jesus deserves a public church. Jesus deserves unwavering followers. So our goal today is very simple. Here's the goal. To grow into unwavering Jesus followers. Now, even as I say that, some of you are like, is that even possible? Because you've been wavering and wishy-washy so long that you're not even sure if this is possible. The answer is yes. And Hebrews chapter 10 gives us some practical insights into how we can achieve our goals. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can open or click over to Hebrews chapter 10. And that's where we're going to be at today. And as you're turning or clicking there, if you're not a Jesus follower, I just want to let you know that this talk may not be super applicable at this point. But it may be worth storing away in case you ever decide to follow Jesus. Because if you decide to follow Jesus, I'm betting that you do not want to become the type of wishy-washy Jesus follower that you see, and quite honestly, that you despise. But if you decide to follow Jesus, you will want to be unwavering. So you can save this talk for a day that I'm praying will come, and that I'm praying will come soon. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 is where we will begin. In Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, we just said that some of us are wondering if it's even possible to grow into unwavering Jesus followers. And the first thing we read is that we have confidence. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like at this point, I'm leaned in to this verse. I'm like, okay, how is it that I can have confidence? And what can I have confidence to do? I can have confidence to enter the holy places. It's just a way to say I can have confidence to enter the very presence of God. And how? How can I have that confidence? One, through the blood of Jesus. And the second reason I can have that confidence is in verse 20. It says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. So I can have confidence, confidence, for two reasons. Number one, by the blood of Jesus. Number two, because Jesus has made a new way to God through his flesh. So the reason that I, have, that I can have confidence as I enter God's presence is the blood and flesh of Jesus. Pretty clear, right? Let's just pray and get out of here. Now, some of you are like, um, this is why I don't follow Jesus, because that's weird. Can we agree that if you were just reading that, that sounds kind of weird? Like, we're tracking with you. We're like, all right, we got this. We're doing good. And now all of a sudden, it's like, it's by the blood and flesh of Jesus. And you're like, what? <laughs> what in the world are we talking about? Here's what this means. This phrase, the blood and flesh of Jesus, it's pointing us to the cross. It's pointing us to the cross where Jesus literally gave up his body, his flesh, and shed his blood for us. And the author wants us to know this, the cross makes it possible for us to grow into unwavering Jesus followers. It is possible for us to attain our goal, but it's only possible through the cross. See, Jesus willingly embraced the cross. That means he gave up his body to be brutally tortured and that he willingly bled and bled and bled because that was the side effects of giving up his body to be tortured. The truth is, we have all violated the standard of God, the standard that he has every right to establish as the unrivaled being in the universe, and we should be held accountable for violating that standard. But Jesus took our place. He was our substitute on the cross, and he willingly died for us. So therefore, Jesus gives us a new and living way to approach God with confidence through the cross. 
See, because of the cross, we have the ability to take three actions that we're going to talk about today. And if we will make these three actions habits, then over time, we can grow into unwavering Jesus followers. But we've got to start with this foundation. We cannot become an unwavering Jesus follower on our own. It is only possible through the cross. Everything starts with the cross. Jesus' death on the cross gives us the ability to enter into a relationship with God for the very first time. And Jesus' death on the cross gives us the ability to grow into unwavering Jesus followers over time. But the cross makes it possible. So let's talk about how. Look at, with me at verse 21, and we'll see the first habit or action that we need to practice. Verse 21 says this, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The first action or habit that we need to take if we're gonna grow into unwavering Jesus followers is we need to let us draw near with authenticity. Let us draw near with authenticity. If we are ever gonna become unwavering, this is where it begins. Now to understand this, we go back to verse 21, and it says we have a great high priest. And you may be thinking, uh, what does this mean? Who's the high priest? I'm kind of confused. If you flip back in Hebrews chapter four, it mentions the high priest and that Jesus is our great high priest, and it brings a little bit of clarity to this issue. So look with me at Hebrews 4.15. It says, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That is good news. It means that Jesus knows how tough this life is. Jesus knows what you're going through and what I'm going through. Jesus knows what it's like to face every single thing that we face that trips us up, that makes us wishy-washy, the difference is he faced it and overcame it. He overcame every single thing. So he has the ability to sympathize with us, yet to show us the path to overcoming. And knowing that, verse 16 makes sense. Verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's our time of need? It's when we're tempted. It's when we're struggling. It's when we are wavering. We can draw near to God to find the help and the strength to overcome. So if we're going to grow into unwavering Jesus followers, it starts with this idea. If we go back to Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart. That means let us draw near with authenticity. Let us choose to approach God from a perspective that we are genuine, real, and vulnerable. Our community group just finished a series on Thursday night called Goliath Must Fall. And the big idea as we finished that series was that we must be vulnerable to grow in our relationship with God. That if we reject vulnerability, we cannot keep moving forward in our relationship with God. See, authenticity is absolutely key. And think about it like this. What's the real benefit of being fake with Jesus? I mean, he's God, so he knows. When we confess, he's not like, really? I didn't even see that. Thank you for letting me know. He's like, duh, I've been waiting on you to tell me. So not only does he already know, but second of all, he gets it. He understands. He can sympathize with us because he's faced the same thing, yet he simply overcame. So we need to draw near to him 
with authenticity. See, the big point of verses 19 through 22 is simply this. Through the cross, we have free access to God anytime and anywhere. Through the cross, we can do this anytime and anywhere. And the decisive factor that gives us the authorization to do this is the cross. Is Jesus dying on the cross enables us to draw near with authenticity. At the end of verse 22, we get a glimpse of what happens if we draw near. There's two words that are used there. It says clean and purify. That means that we can be forgiven. As we draw near with authenticity, we not only get the ability to overcome, but even when we failed, we get grace that forgives us. So we got to draw near. Now, the secret to this is, it's not enough to just draw near on Sundays. We have to draw near daily. If you were here last week, my wife Whitney challenged us with the idea that we must take intentional time in the word of God. And I just want to echo that challenge for those of you who are here and restate it if you weren't here. We must spend intentional time in the word of God. So there's going to be three questions on the screen, three questions that we should be able to answer if we are serious about drawing near with authenticity. So I encourage you to write these down, take a picture of them, but we've got to be able to plan and intentionally answer these three questions. And look, some of you may be saying, the thought of reading the Bible daily is really intimidating. Number one, I don't even have a Bible. Number two, I don't have the Bible app. I'm about to download it real quick so I don't feel so guilty. But like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. Daily, maybe months out, maybe a year out. But could you start with one day this week, two days the next week? Could you build up to three days in a month? Could we begin to draw near with authenticity from whatever place we're at? And if you need a resource. We actually have this resource called the Public Disciples Booklet. It's in the lobby. It's also available on our public church app. And if you flip through it, you're like, I don't even know how to read the Bible. We actually have a resource at the back that is a Bible study method. So you can grab one of these and you can have a method spelled out for you that guides you in how to read the scripture. And this is actually designed to be done in a mentoring group, a group of two to five people where you meet to intentionally challenge each other in how you follow Jesus. So not only could you read read this, but you could also sit down with a couple other people and talk about what this looks like in your everyday lives. We want to provide every opportunity for us to answer these three questions and to begin to draw near with authenticity so that we can, over time, actually become an unwavering Jesus follower. So the second action that we need to take is found in verse 23. If you look at verse 23, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So the second habit is let us cling to hope. Let us cling to hope. Now, have any of you ever used like a rope swing or one of those swings you've got to hold off of and you jump off a big platform and you swing out? Anybody done that besides me? The key to this is clinging. Can we agree with that? Because if I jump, if I'm holding here and I jump off and I don't cling, like it gets real bad real fast, doesn't it? But if I can cling, if I can hold on to it, it's going to be fun. I'm going to swing out. I'm going to come on. Woo! And then I make a big splash. Everybody's going to cheer and I'm going to be cool. You know, it's going to be awesome. But if I can't cling, my life gets real bad real fast. It's the same with following Jesus. If we don't cling to hope, our life is going to get real bad real fast. Why? Because I'm going to leave this gathering and be wishy-washy. I'm going to leave this gathering and be inconsistent, and you are too. Perfection is not attainable 
on earth. So we're not going to hear this talk, walk out of here, and just nail it every single time. Failure is inevitable in our lives. So when we walk out of here and we are wavering in that moment, we still need to cling to hope. This is huge for us. When we mess up, it doesn't mean we quit drawing near with authenticity. It means that we take the attitude of, okay, let's not let one mistake become two. Let's not let two become three. Let's not let three become four because life is a journey. And we, if, when we cling to hope, then we're able to continue embracing the journey of following Jesus. But none of that happens if we don't cling to hope. And the only way we can cling to hope is because of the cross. The cross enables us to cling to hope because here's what hope is. Hope is an objective reality produced by the cross. Hope is an objective reality produced by the cross. Because of the cross, we can have hope that Jesus is unrivaled. We can have hope that we are guaranteed access to his presence. We can have hope that we will spend eternity with Jesus. Hope is guaranteed through the cross. When we want to throw in the towel, when we want to quit because we messed up again, we got to look to the cross and see that we should cling to hope. And why can we cling to hope? Because the end of that verse says that he who promised is faithful. It doesn't say you're faithful. It doesn't say I'm faithful. It says that he who promised is faithful. And here's how faithful Jesus is. He predicted his own resurrection and pulled it off. I mean, think about it. Jesus is walking around. He's like, hey, bros. Hey, girls, come on around. I got to tell you a story. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. That's crazy. What's even crazier is that he pulled it off. It's unbelievable. I can't predict anything. I told Cameron Ballou, one of our production team leaders, on Wednesday, I said, Georgia will beat Auburn. No questions asked. They're going to beat them. They're a better football team. I was like way wrong. It wasn't even close. Some other people also said that Dobbins Bennett would beat the Bradley Bears Friday night, and I'm just saying we're in the third round. But anyway, the point is, we can't always predict things, but Jesus predicted his own resurrection and pulled it off. He who promised is faithful, so let us cling to hope. The third action that we need to take is found in verse 24, and it says this, let us hold fast the confession, excuse me, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The third habit is let us motivate each other. Let us motivate each other. There's really two elements of this idea of motivating and stirring each other up to love and good works. The first element of it is encouragement. How many of you like to be encouraged? Raise your hand. To prove this point, I want you to take just a moment and someone around you, take like 30 seconds and encourage them. Don't lie, pick out something true, but encourage someone around you. Ready, go. Encourage them. You feel better? Some of you are like, stop talking. And whoever's encouraging me, like, let's keep going. Let's roll with this. Some of you guys are like, hey, babe, I can do this over lunch. Don't do that. That's inappropriate. <laughs> Only at the 530 can you make, I'm just kidding, okay? So look, here's the thing. We like to be encouraged, and encouragement motivates us. And the thing is, we can miss opportunities to encourage because we can overlook people. 
See, there's a, a group of people who are serving right now that we could not pull off Sundays without them. Yet it'd be very easy for us to overlook them. And that's our next generation leaders and volunteers. Joanna Butler is our next generation director and she mobilizes volunteers every Sunday. We've got Bree Green and Austin Burns are next generation interns and they're working behind the scenes every Sunday. Some of you don't even know their name, but here's what they're leading. We have volunteers upstairs right now in Sprouts that are serving kids birth through pre-K. Across the just the driveway in this house right over here, we have volunteers serving roots, our kids in kindergarten through fifth grade at four o'clock today. We have volunteers rolling in to invest in public students, middle school and high school students. On Thursday night, we'll have volunteers giving up their time to host the first ever public student gathering. We could not pull off Sunday without these people. So could we take a moment and make some noise and encourage them? And look, we want to be so loud that they hear us at the annex. Can we do that? Can we encourage our Roots and Sprouts volunteers? <laughs> They're awesome. Look, let's seize opportunities to encourage each other because it's motivating. But here's the other element of motivation. It's accountability. Motivating means that we encourage each other and we hold each other accountable. Quick flashback to driver's ed. You're in driver's ed in high school. You're on the interstate. I have no idea why a driver's ed teacher let you drive on the interstate. That was a terrible decision on his or her part. But you're on the interstate nevertheless. You want to change lanes. What should you do before you change lanes? Blinker, accelerate, that's pretty good. Blinker, and there's one more thing you should do. <laughs> that's why I don't never talk driver's dead. What's the other thing besides your blinker? Look, check your blind spot, right? So that way you don't kill everyone. Who taught you to check your blind spot? Your mom, your dad, driver's dead teacher, some of you are like, really? <laughs> Explains why I've had three wrecks. Like, thanks. Why didn't anybody teach me this? We got to check our blind spots, but we don't know our blind spots are there unless someone tells us. In fact, sometimes we need someone to grab our head and go, look, you're about to wreck yourself. It's the same way in life. We've got to have people that can hold us accountable. We have to have people that notify us that we have blind spots. And sometimes we need people that will grab our head and turn us and say, you're about to wreck your life. We need accountability. That's a key part of motivating each other. For me, a blind spot is that I can very easily drift towards achievement, perfectionism, and working too much. So everyone that works here has the freedom to call me out on that. In fact, this summer, I was here past 5 o'clock, and Will Vest, one of our support team guys, he comes in and he says, hey, past 5, shouldn't you be home with Whitney? And I was like, well, I'm good this time because she had an event, and I told her, and we're good. We worked it out. But I loved it. I love that he was saying, hey, did you check your blind spot today? We need that in our lives. See, if we're going to grow into unwavering Jesus followers, we have to motivate each other. And then there's one huge key to motivating. It's found in verse 25, and it's this, not neglecting to meet together, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look, you can't motivate if you isolate. You can't motivate if you isolate, and you can't be motivated if you choose to be isolated. You can't be motivated if you choose to be isolated. If we neglect to meet together, we remove the possibility of being encouraged and being held accountable. 
So in a time of year when people often lean out of the church because things are too busy, would we choose to lean in? In fact, that's why I mentioned our Pour It Out series and what we're starting, the special things we have planned, because we know the holidays are busy. But instead of leaning out, would we choose to lean in because we know that we need to be around each other so that we can be motivated? But here's a secret to that. It's not enough to just be motivated on Sundays. We need more than just Sundays. So ladies, flourish is Wednesday night. Excuse me, Tuesday night. It'd be great if I get the, don't come on Wednesday. That would not be good. But Flourish is Tuesday night. And the vision of Flourish is real simple, to inspire all women to thrive through authentic relationships. And guess what you're doing all Tuesday night? You're going to have a bonfire, and you're going to be in small groups. Will you have numerous opportunities to encourage each other, to hold each other accountable, to, in other words, to motivate each other and push each other towards growing into unwavering Jesus followers. That's the point. Would you lean in beyond a Sunday? But even on a Sunday, coming up on December 3rd, we have an incredibly special thing planned called the Christmas Spectacular. Have any of you ever been to the Christmas Spectacular before? A few of you guys have. If you didn't just yell, you need to come. We're going to have it at the 530 on December 3rd. It's going to be a huge Christmas party. It's going to be awesome. And here's why we're doing that at the 530. Because we know that for a lot of people, Christmas can be difficult. That Christmas, yeah, it's supposed to be joyful, but a lot of us spend time thinking about who's not here, either because they passed away or they're just out of our life for whatever reason. And we also know that Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus, but oftentimes about everything besides Jesus because there's so many distractions. So we want to provide a Christmas party called our Christmas Spectacular at the 530 on December 3rd so we can start the Christmas season by meeting together and motivating each other, encouraging each other if Christmas is going to be really hard, and holding each other accountable to not get distracted from Jesus in the midst of all the busyness. We've got to lean in because we need each other. And then would you consider getting involved, again, beyond just the 11 30. Would you consider a public team a way to serve? Would you consider a public group a way to connect? Because if we're going to motivate each other, it's got to extend beyond Sunday. And when we begin to truly motivate each other, we really enter into relationships where we can encourage and held accountable. That's when we start growing into unwavering Jesus followers. And all of this, all of this is made possible the cross. The reason we can have these relationships that push each other forward is because of the cross. So we've talked about the cross. We've seen that the cross makes it possible for us to grow into unwavering Jesus followers. And we want to end this series with an opportunity to reflect on the cross through communion. You may think, well, what is communion? Communion is a forced reminder of the cross. Communion forces us. It takes us a few minutes, and it forces us to remember the cross. See, when we take the bread 
And when we take the cup, we remember that Jesus willingly embraced the cross and took the punishment that we deserve for violating God's standard. He was our substitute. We remember, we're reminded that Jesus makes it possible for us to have free access to God and draw near with authenticity. That Jesus makes it possible for us to cling to hope because hope is an objective reality produced by the cross. And we're reminded that we can motivate each other and have healthy relationships through the cross. So as we end this series by reflecting on the cross, I want to invite us just to ask three simple questions to prepare our hearts to worship through communion. The first question is this, am I a Jesus follower? And if you're not a Jesus follower, the first step to being unwavering is to start to follow. So would you want to follow him right now? And you can just pray and tell him, Jesus, I violated your standard. You died on the cross and rose from the dead. So Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you give me a relationship with you? And it's not about some magic prayer, certain words. It's just about expressing your heart with authenticity to Jesus and he'll do the work. And so if you wanna do that, do that and then come take communion for the first time. Tell us and we'll celebrate with you. If you have questions about that, we'll have leaders from the refuge room underneath this exit sign that would love to talk with you. The second question is this, do I have sin in my life? that I have not owned and turned from. In other words, if I'm looking at you and you and you and saying, that's your fault, that's your fault. No, we need to start looking at me and saying, hey, I own it, this is my fault. So take a few moments and own sin in your life. And then ask Jesus to give you the power to turn from it. If you're sitting here saying, man, I'm sinning and I like it, then communion's not for you. But if you're broken because you feel like you're just wavering and wavering and there's no hope, then please take communion as a cry to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you help me grow because of your cross? And take communion as that reminder. The third question is this, am I unified with other Jesus followers? It's really difficult for us to motivate each other if we're mad at each other, right? It's really hard for us to motivate each other if we're mad at each other. So if there's a Jesus follower that you're not unified with, send a text, walk out in the lobby, talk to them, set up a meeting this week, but let's take an opportunity to be unified so when we leave this space, we can truly motivate each other. This is our chance to reflect on the cross. So take a few moments, ask these questions, and when you're ready, we're gonna have leaders at the end of this aisle, at the end of this aisle, and by this back exit sign, and you can just come up and take communion, just grab a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and you can take it wherever you would like. We encourage families to take it together. You don't have to. We just think that's really special. So let's take this time to remember the cross makes it possible for us to grow into unwavering Jesus followers, and let's just reflect on the cross. Jesus, in these next few moments of reflection, would you quiet our hearts? Would you remove the distractions? And would you enable us to focus, to focus on you, to focus on your work on the cross? And would you let this be a tangible step towards growing into an unwavering follower of you? Thank you, Jesus. Let us never lose the wonder of your cross.